You're listening to the Mission Bitcoin Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Mission Bitcoin Podcast, where each week we explore Christian responsibility and adopting Bitcoin. I'm Matt Solik, your host, and we're so excited to have you with us wherever you're listening today. Today, we get an update from Patrick about his most recent trip to Guatemala and some of the progress of the Bitcoin Lake project in Panajachel. Today, he shares with us about his meeting with the mayor of Panajachel, some of his discoveries about renewable energy, and some next steps from here with where we go with this project. So let's jump into today's episode with Patrick Melder. All right, so we're here with Patrick today, back again. Uh, he's been traveling for a little bit, and we thought today what we do is just give an update on some of the progress of things that have been taking place in Guatemala. So, Patrick, why don't you give us a little update on how things have been going there? Thanks, Matt, and it's good to be a guest on my own podcast again. Once again, That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I was. I went down to Guatemala on the 23rd of January. My my plan was to be there for about a week, return on the 30th, but um, because of the momentum I was gaining, um, I decided to extend my trip. And so it was uh, overall a great, great meeting and would love to just kind of tell you about how everything went down there. Yeah. Yeah. So just give us a little, uh, give us the, the flyby and then maybe we can dive in a little bit deeper. Yeah, so uh, w- the plan was to actually launch, if you recall correctly, the Guatemalan school year begins in January, mid-January, so that's why I wanted to go down in January to start the educational program with the kids. And at the same time, the goal was to actually try to orange pill as many adults and business owners as I could. but. Leaning on the experience from El Zante and El Salvador, we knew that that was probably not going to be a big win, but I wanted to try to attempt it anyway. And then while I was down there, I toured the water tra- treatment facility, the wastewater treatment facility, to look at the possibility of using flared methane gas for Bitcoin mining, and that extended into a tour of the solid waste facility. Had two meetings with the mayor of Panachel and uh, met a really interesting uh, environmental scientist, PhD environmental scientist that lives near Panachel across the lake. And she had a very interesting project that she was working on. And I was able to effectively orange pill her and dispel the the FUD about Bitcoin energy use with her, which was um, pretty remarkable. So I think we're going to be working together with her in the future. So it was it was um, it was great. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the meetings with the uh, the mayor? How did those go? And and was he a Bitcoiner previously, or did you have some education you needed to do? No, basically the meeting was to not not ask for his permission for what we were doing, but to basically allow him to know what we were doing in the community so that we wouldn't face any, you know, quote-unquote political opposition. So really, he went in not knowing anything much about Bitcoin, although during the meeting found out that his son had been wanting him to buy Bitcoin. So we basically orange-pilled him, had him download the Bitcoin Beach wallet, gave him uh, Satoshi's 
and he was he seemed to be pretty excited and um, let me just say off at, at the beginning that none of this would have been possible without Josue, my translator, um, who is Nancy's son, who just did a fantastic job um, helping me um, on this trip. Although I'm getting better at Spanish, there's no way I could have had that sort of conversation. So that's what I was going to ask. The, the communication between you two, you basically had a translator in between. So you're educating on a, a pretty challenging concept of Bitcoin, and you've also got the language barrier uh, in between as well, too. And, and you feel like the, the reception was well-received? I do, because one of the, and I knew that was going to be a problem. I didn't, I didn't want something to get lost in translation, trying to teach it basically to two people at the same time. And so when Francine, my wife and I went in November, we effectively educated Josue on the essentials of Bitcoin. So he understood um, what needed to be communicated. And then we had done some Zoom conferencing before that. So Josue was effectively uh, pretty knowledgeable about Bitcoin, although the nuances, um, you know, he, he, it's like everything. The, the more and more you learn, the more and more you learn, and the more you realize you don't know. So, But yeah, he was able to effectively communicate without um, getting too much lost in translation. And the other really cool thing about that meeting was the... I had three Spanish-speaking Bitcoiners. One was in Mexico, one was in Canada, and one was in Maryland, uh, all with different expertise in Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. And they were able to speak to the mayor, you know, basically on a first language basis to communicate what was going on. And remarkably, the one of the Bitcoiner, and I met all these Bitcoiners through the Twitter spaces I did with Galois Money several weeks before I left. Uh, Gerson Martinez in Maryland, he is a Salvadoran. He was born in the U.S., but Salvadoran by history and ethnicity, and was just super proud of his country. And he was able to communicate that that enthusiasm about what El Salvador, El Salvador was doing and try to get, motivate the, the mayor to see kind of the same vision. And so I was really there to kind of cast the vision for what Pana Echel could achieve based on what had gone on in El Salvador. And that was kind of my main objective. And then, you know, backing up a little bit with my contact in Mexico, who's Venezuelan but lives in Mexico, he is working with a farmer in the state of Jalisco and works on a farm that they raise 10,000 swine. And they're, they're taking all the manure from the swine, capturing the methane, and flaring it, generating energy, and um, doing Bitcoin mining with the the wasted what would what have would have been otherwise wasted energy. Um, so he was on the call, and uh, prior to me going down, the the concept was to start Bitcoin mining in Panachel with solar, but um, Ricardo suggested that I look at biogas, and that that um, kind of changed the focus of my of my visit when I first went and then that segued into discussions with the mayor as well. So did he, uh, the mayor, did he have some previous knowledge of what had been taking place in El Salvador? Did he seem pretty familiar with what's been going on over there? Yeah, in fact, that's a great question. He was aware of what's been going on in El Salvador. And actually, most people, most adults that I talked with in the community were somewhat aware of what was going on in El Salvador, although their level of understanding was 
um, somewhat varied, but m most everyone had heard of what's been going on in El Salvador, which I think really helped the, the educational process and really kind of changed the dynamic between what I was attempting to do and what had been um, done in in El Salvador. So I was effectively standing on the, the, the shoulders of giants. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, do you think that, can you describe maybe just a little bit of a, like what, what his um, attitude is towards Bitcoin? Is this something that they see as something as... Um, you know, something hopeful for their community, or is this something that is met with a little bit of resistance, or do they feel like, um, yeah, just maybe describe just a little bit of like what the attitude is towards the economic situation that's there and how Bitcoin potentially becomes a solution to some of their economic issues? Well, uh, the <clears throat> so when I met with the mayor, that was kind of the goal was to kind of cast that that vision. So my vision for the the community is to provide education for the children about Bitcoin, number one, like they did in El Zante. Number two, provide education about the technology of Bitcoin, not just the monetary aspect of Bitcoin, but the technology of it. Because I feel like, because of what's gone on in El Salvador and most recently in Argentina, you know, Spanish-speaking, uh, uh, Spanish-speaking Bitcoiners are going to be in high demand, so I really want to be able to provide that that kind of um, expertise coming out of what what we do to give them new economic opportunity as as jobs for when they finish school, and then economic opportunity for the community, based in part on creating a Bitcoin circular economy, but then also the aspect of Bitcoin mining. And if you recall the the reason I've included Bitcoin mining in this is because in El Zante, they had the the benefit of a basically an endowment. Someone, an anonymous donor, gave the community, Mike Peterson and Jorge and, and Chimbera, gave them Bitcoin as an endowment and said, "Go create a circular economy." We don't we don't really have that. We're creating a kind of a bootstrapped economy, and we basically need something to keep the, the, the machine going. And that's that's the reason for having Bitcoin mining in, in the equation so that we have a continuous infusion of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And the original goal was to base the Bitcoin mining on the work of Square and ARK Investment with their white paper using solar to create a sustainable renewable energy grid using Bitcoin mining and, and batteries. Um, but as I was talking with Ricardo in Mexico, he says, you know, Patrick, the solar is going to probably be a little bit more expensive to get going because of the, the capital uh, expenditure. And you probably have a lot of biomass or biogas that you can use for generating energy. And so based on that, I scheduled a meeting at the wastewater treatment facility the day the day of my meeting with the mayor. And that was in the morning. And my meeting with the mayor was a little bit later. So I went to the wastewater treatment facility, and based on the questions that Ricardo gave me, I was able to interview the manager of the facility. And you know, I, I'm a doctor. I've never been on a on a tour of a wastewater treatment facility, right. uh, nor had the desire to do it. But the uh, the what I found out was remarkable. The it seems like. They truly, the manager truly feels like what they're doing is helping the community. In fact, he showed me samples of water before and after, and you know they, they are definitely cleaning the water. Um, 
but they have a 300 square meter biodigester there in the in the facility and the biodigester through basically um, bacterial decomposition produces co2 and methane mm -hmm. well the methane could be captured and flared if you generate enough pressure but the digester has cracks in it so they're effectively letting methane escape into the environment which is worse of a gas than co2 as it relates to the ozone and several years prior about four years prior they had a university come and analyze the biodigester for capturing methane uh, to flare and, and generate power for use within the within the uh, wastewater treatment facility to run the the uh, water pump but they never heard back from the the university and when i asked about that he said that it was political and i heard that enough when i was on my trip this last trip to understand that that basically means some form of corruption probably involving you know money or, or something like that so mm -hmm. someone had actually come down and analyzed the feasibility of capturing methane and it was feasible and then I gave all that information to Ricardo and he was able to to estimate that yes in fact we could capture the methane from the digester and and generate energy for Bitcoin mining and so that just creates a an instant economic opportunity where no one has to put put in the upfront cost and never get any ROI if you've got Bitcoin mining hooked up to this then you could start generating um, uh, economic incentive and, and opportunity immediately so I presented that to the mayor and he you know any new source of revenue for a politician is always a good thing so after as I started talking about all that his eyes kind of lit up and he got more excited and then based on that conversation I decided to go look at the solid waste facility up in the mountains and for the city and found pretty much that there's a massive bio waste that could be captured and uh, decomposed to to capture methane for the same purposes so th that was kind of a that was a really great find uh, quite frankly on on the trip that i was not expecting before yeah comple he, he completely seemed, opposite bought, of where you were that, yeah this is completely opposite of where you you were even thinking before right so this is have are you familiar with any other um, economies or uses of using biogas like this, uh, either for Bitcoin mining or just for renewable energy? Is this, or was, was this a bit of a learning curve for you? Oh, it was a bit of a learning curve, but um, I had started, uh, I've, I have some other associations and, and acquaintances in Bitcoin mining that were talking about using biodigesters, but I just didn't know enough about it and had never seen a biodigester. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I'm not, I, I think there's some, biodigesting mining bitcoin mining going on in canada but there's nothing really large scale going on that i'm aware of and then when i met ricardo in mexico he's the first one that really has a pretty substantial bitcoin mining operation using biogas and the i think that what really excited me about it was you can effectively have an immediate environmental impact because you're you're taking methane out of the atmosphere immediately. In the case of the 
solid waste facility, you're, you're taking methane out of the atmosphere, but they let a lot of that material just rot and drain down into the into the uh, watershed area, into the basin, because they're about a at least a thousand feet above Panachel. So, you know, all that stuff eventually finds its way into the lake. And so just by incorporating biodigesting, you can have an instant impact on the environment. And then I, on one of my evening meetings with the adults, I had a, a, a gringo, you know, a white person show up and um, come to find out she lives across the lake in a community called Santiago, which is one of the largest cities or communities on the lake, about 54,000 residents. And she was trying to build a biodigester for a school but she had lost, um, not lost, but she was unable to get wide community su- support or involvement in her project because, you know, it's poop. She was trying to gather people's poop, mm-hmm. but not to produce energy, but to cook with. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, Jessica, her name is Dr. Jessica Kind. I said, Jessica, you know, we could hook up a Bitcoin miner to miner to your operation, and basically pay people for their poop. And who's not who wouldn't be interested in taking their crap and getting money for it? And so she seemed to be really interested in that. And th- that was just a completely serendipitous uh, find on the meeting on my trip that I was super excited about. And the really interesting thing about that conversation was. Although she's an environmental scientist and left-leaning in her ideology, she came to learn about Bitcoin, and she had bought... She, I asked her, does she own Bitcoin? She said, no, she owns Ethereum. And then we started having a conversation about Bitcoin's energy consumption. And I asked her, you know, well, what uses more energy, Christmas lights or Bitcoin mining? And I thought she could see the setup, but she fell for it. She said, Bitcoin mining. I said, no, actually, it's it's Christmas lights. And so when I was able to describe that to her and describe the the uh, FUD associated with Bitcoin mining, um, that really changed her mind. And then when I demonstrated that we could actually probably get her project off the ground with uh, Bitcoin mining as a economic incentive, I, I think I effectively orange-pilled her, too. So it was, it was kind of an <laughs> interesting meeting. Yeah. Good. Uh, so, um, can you maybe talk a little bit about? Uh, obviously, because this is a, a new way for using this renewable energy in this way. Uh, what are, What are some of the environmental impacts of this, or what are some of the benefits of being able to, you know, maybe use this potentially as as a form of of clean energy? Well, I mean, the I th- I think it, it may not be so apparent in the Western world, but in a developing country and any developing country like Guatemala, the there's just not a significant interest in making sure that waste is collected and, and treated in a in a proper manner because there's just no tax base, there's no revenue, there's no incentive to make that happen. Mm. Um, and I, she had figures, and I don't recall, but there was a substantial number of, of citizens in Santiago where she lived where people were just basically either 
throwing their sewage directly into the streets or just squatting down and literally going to the bathroom in the streets. So, you know, there's obviously there's the biohazard aspect of that. And then for humans and then for the lake, it's uh, extremely dangerous for uh, pollution of the lake, which Lake Atitlan is, um, it's had a growing problem for the last 15, 20 years of uh, basically slowly dying because of, of endemic problems like that. So um, that that's the environmental case for that in the community, trying to capture the human waste and provide economic incentive when there was no economic incentive to begin with. Yeah. Was, and then, so does that provide any economic impact as far as um, opportunities for jobs, potentially? Uh, I would think so. I mean, you've got to build these biodigesters, so right. it, that that alone would provide it. And you know, and I think this next concept may be a little controversial, but I'm I and I've written about this, but I, I think that it could provide a, a sort of universal basic income. And now, that's in my opinion not communistic because we're not taking resources from one person and redistributing it to another. Mm-hmm. We're taking what would otherwise be wasted and um, distributing the income. And it would be no different than um, what what happens in Saudi Arabia or even in Alaska. Um, until recently in Alaska, if you were a citizen of Alaska, you basically profited from the oil wealth and the oil royalties from uh, drilling in Alaska. So that's a form of uni- universal basic income that is not tied to redistribu- redistributing somebody's wealth. So I think that Bitcoin mining has the opportunity to provide a pseudo UBI, which in and of itself provides economic um, opportunity for those who haven't had it before. Mm. So that's at the community level, and then the <clears throat> because the lake sits in a basin, you know, it's surrounded by three inactive volcanoes. Uh, there are mountainous communities that are two or three thousand feet higher than Atitlan, and a bunch of the farms. Uh, there's no industrial scale farming that I'm aware of. Most of the farms that I saw are small family owned farms. And a lot of times what happens is they'll, they'll do the harvest and a lot of the waste material, you know, the stocks of whatever they're growing or, you know, whatever, they just kind of dump out and it rots. Um, or if they're using animal manure, um, they don't process it properly. So it's possible that you, you could have many biodigesters in each one of these farming communities where they could collect income from something that they would normally have wasted. And because it's methane, you can capture it into a tank and, and transport it somewhere where it could be flared for, for Bitcoin mining or you could, or you could flare it for Bitcoin mining um, on site. Mm. And I saw this firsthand, actually. I went, one day, I actually went to Santiago, not to visit Dr. Kine, but um, the Josue and his, his sister, uh, Flor, we went to Santiago to do some coffee tasting. And I was we were sitting in this coffee house, and it was kind of built like a tree house. It was really kind of cool, um, up, up about 20 or 30 feet. And I smelled this really putrid, sweet smell in the air. And I asked the the roaster what was that smell, and he said that it's some of the coffee processing facilities nearby. They just take all the the husks of the of the coffee bean and throw it out and just let it rot in the open environment. And they don't do it. They they process it more more sustainably, dry it out for for it to be compost. But 
you know, you can imagine taking all that coffee waste, putting that into a digester, and again, providing economic opportunity where there was none before and where it's effectively wasted energy. Um, mm. So those are, that was a really interesting findings about the meeting, about the visit. And I was, um, we onboarded seven businesses, a coffee place, a, a pizza place, an ice cream place, a place that makes quesadilla, um, several other places. And then, um, so I think overall it was a, it was a great trip and, and I look forward to kind of progressing with implementing a circular economy. I think it's gonna be quicker than what's happened in El Zante and El Salvador. And the meeting with the children, um, it, it was just great. I, I taught them twice. I taught the adults every day and then the, the, the children twice while I was there. It was, it was great. Yeah, I was wondering if you can maybe talk a little bit more about that from the education piece of it. I know we had um, some of your goals there were around uh, educating on, on Bitcoin as money. You wanted to talk about Bitcoin as technology. Um, can you describe a little bit about what, what some of that education was like for uh, while you were down there? Yeah, so, you know, for the for the adults, it's a lot different. Um, with the adults, I basically start out with, you know, what is Bitcoin, and I basically just dispel any mysteriousness about it up front. I just basically say it's digital cash, and then we basically spend a lot of time talking about the economy, inflation, and whatnot. For the children, it's a lot different. Um, I, you know just teaching children the concept of money. You know, I have three adult children now, and when they were younger, just trying to teach them the concept of money can be challenging. And here I am trying to do it cross-culturally about a new type of money. But remarkably, <laughs> they got it. I mean, I the, the in fact, uh, yesterday I was doing a virtual lesson from here in Atlanta to, down to Guatemala, and one of my questions was, if I give you the choice between a U.S. dollar or the local currency, which is called a Kitsal, or the Bitcoin, which would you want? And they all said Bitcoin. So they, they already understood the value proposition with Bitcoin, which I thought was really great. And um, yeah, so the teaching the children about the value of Bitcoin the scarcity of it, they understand that, they understand who invented it, they understand that no one controls it, and I don't know if they understand the, the implications of that yet, but they understand the concept for sure. Do they, uh, was there a language barrier there as well too for a lot of your education, so? Well, Josue was with me, um, yeah. and fortunately the more and more I, down there, the more and more I can understand. But yeah, it's language is going to be a problem for me for a while, and I'm hoping that Josue is going to kind of take the lead. In fact, he is taking the lead while I'm not there. I've kind of challenged him with continuing educating and onboarding businesses. But yeah, the language barrier is always there. But you know, the kids seem to not mind. Yeah, yeah for that, sure. Man, that's great. That's great. So. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about next steps from here? Um, sounds like you had a great trip while you were there. Where, where, do you, where do you go from here with this? Well, I think the next step, obviously, is just to kind of grow what we're doing. And before I do that, you know, the other thing that, uh, you know, I need to say is that what we're trying to instill in the children also is kind of a work ethic and a, a care for their environment and their community. So while I was there, we did two service activities. One was to pick up trash around the lake and around the streets, and I participated in that. And then we also planted some trees. And I'm just trying to make sure that the 
the values of Bitcoin are instilled into um, the educational process through a, a work ethic. Sure, and so yeah. from here, I think that, you know, ideally, um, I would like to, for the children, I'd like for the older kids who are probably going to be graduating um, high school this year, um, I've already started kind of looking for internships for them. I want to see, I'm, I'm going to reach out to Bitcoin Twitter and see if um, the Bitcoin Twitter community will uh, provide money for a paid internship for these kids, Spanish-speaking kids with some of the Spanish-speaking Bitcoin companies and Lightning companies out there. So that's that's number one, and that's a that's a recent goal I just kind of came up with as I was reflecting on the trip. And I think number two, when obviously we need to continue the the Bitcoin education of the community and really try to come up with a plan and a framework for implementing the biogas mining. And I don't think that's going to be too hard, but we, we still have to get through the politics and, and the, the, you know, the newness of everything that we're trying. And I had my second meeting with the mayor, I challenged him. I asked him if we could try to get the mayors around the, the lake to kind of convene on my next trip and I could basically tell all the mayors, you know, basically the same story and the same vision because they all had the same problems. And um, I think that if we could do that, I think that would, man, that would be fantastic to be able to orange pill all the mayors around the lake and really accelerate um, this concept of Bitcoin Lake for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know we've got a few pictures that you you've taken while you were down there with the mayor. And so maybe we can provide some links, um, in the show notes for people to be able to kind of get a picture of some of the, uh, you know, some of the, the moments that you had while you were down there. You also have a, a full report that you have. And, uh, I would imagine you want to make that available for, for our listeners as well too, right? Yeah, I've got a, a a brief report on Medium. My fuller report uh, is I've got some confidential stuff in there, but the the short report is available on Medium, and you can read about it there and see some great pictures and um, pictures of me with the my, the mayor's hat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, so can you talk a little bit about the um, uh, the financial need? What's the ask right now? If people want to get involved with helping support the project, either through uh, financials or through services, what's um, what are what are some of the needs right now? Right. Well, the budget remains the same, and I have that in one of my articles on Medium. I think the total amount was like twenty six thousand dollars. We've raised. You know, about two thousand dollars so far. Um, thankfully, we haven't really needed the money um, yet. But um, the next step I really would like to do is get the kids um, nodes, um, so we can start running full nodes when I go back down. I'd like every child to have a node, but I just don't know if that's possible yet. Um, uh, so that's number one. It looks like the miners are going to be paid for or donated. So I don't think we need that. And then if someone wants to uh, consider donating to Dr. Kine's project, um, that is in the, the abbreviated notes on Medium. I think she's asking for about thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000 to get a biodigester built in her community. And we've got the miner. Um, that would be great if someone could step up to the plate and do that. Um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. 
Absolutely. So this is um, pretty incredible. I mean, you've had this vision. Uh, it's amazing to kind of hear the progress and the updates as they come along because we get to hear how things, different iterations and things change and the flexibility of what you're discovering while you're down there. Uh, and so uh, if you're listening to this, we just encourage you to um, continue to pass this episode on to other people that may find interest in this. I think it makes an incredible impact um, uh, financially, economically, morally. I think there's just incredible things that are taking place in Guatemala and um, uh, just love being a part of the journey with you in this. Any final thoughts before we we sign off for, for this update? No, it's just great to t- kind of tell the story and I look forward to sharing more as this vision grows. Thanks, Matt. Absolutely. Love it. You guys passed this episode on. We're excited to be able to hear some more updates uh, in the future as well, too, as we continue on in this journey. And we'll continue to, to pray and ask God's provision for you in this wisdom, insight, and discernment. And uh, just excited to hear uh, the continued journey of this. Thanks so much, Patrick. Thank you for listening to the Mission Bitcoin Podcast. To access the tools discussed today, be sure to use the links found in the show notes. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. 